We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's up everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl of course you can always follow my guests on twitter at mike wall 68 it is friday you know what that means mike and i get to talk, talk packers it is my favorite segment every single week and mike i'm so happy to be joined by you again after a packers victory on monday night football the improbable playoff odds are still alive as we head into the holiday season mike what's on your mind <laughs> well i i'm you know they asked me what's changed in the last two weeks and i said oh they've, they've played teams that aren't very good yeah, <laughs> and I, I the Packers are. This is one of those games. This last this last game versus the Rams, where you're just watching this game, going, "I'm excited because I think you see some improvements with some young guys in particular. Yeah. Obviously, uh, obviously, Nixon has become just revelation as far as what he's able to do to help the offense in the return game. But it's going to be very interesting moving forward in the next three weeks, particularly this 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 next game versus the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if Bakhtiari is going to be able to play, but one thing the Miami Dolphins can do is pressure the quarterback, um, and they can take away part of the field with, with Xavier and Howard. So I'm really interested to see 
this upcoming game. I think it's going to be a very, very tough matchup. Um, we, we, we haven't, we'll get into, I'm sure, talking about Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and what they bring to the table. Because in, in my mind, Tyree Kill was the front runner, front runner for the MVP award until the last couple of weeks when Tua got shut down. And, and obviously a wide receiver can't get a couple, get a ton of yards unless somebody throws it to him. But Tyree Kill is, uh, is a real, real problem. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah, those, those two are absolute cheat codes with their speed. And of course, he'll be in the better of the two. I want to talk a little bit about Packers Rams. You kind of mentioned it. You know, they, they face the Bears, not a good football team, get a, a win with a comeback win at the end, have their bye week, come back against the Rams at home. Never really threatened by the Rams. It was, what, like 10 to 6 at half. You know, they, they make it a little bit close. But ultimately, I thought the Packers had some opportunities, just some missed opportunities, just a couple of missed blocks here or there that they could have gotten a couple more explosive plays. You get the interception by Razul, who laterals it backwards, kind of takes you further down the field. They don't get points off of that. You've got the big kick return by Keyshawn. You don't get points off of that. I felt like th there was opportunities in this game to make this like a 31 to nine, you know, game. Um, it was a little bit closer than that, but again, never really threatened. I'm totally on the same page that these were two bad football teams that the Packers should have beaten and they took care of business. But uh, like you said, we're going to get three totally different opponents coming up in Miami, Minnesota. Well, had just the craziest game ever uh, this past week. And then um, Detroit, obviously as well. What, what were your key takeaways from that game? Other than again, the, the Rams are bad. I'm, you're still kind of watching the evolution of this offense and what their identity is. Um, you see the first series, and I think they did a really good job of of getting our running backs the ball. We had some off of that. There's a, so a couple of quick passes in play action, quick passes uh, in, in shotgun. We get down to the the end though, and it's it's first and goal, which I think we're, I think we're the worst team in the league at. I think they said that on, on the, on the television uh, shot that we're the worst team in the league first and goal or goal to go, goal to go. And we passed the ball a handful of times and ended up kicking a field goal. And then we did the exact same thing coming out in the second half, except for in the third and six, they get, uh, they get Ramsey on what I would say is a marginal call at best on the other side of the field for a, a holding call uh, against Watson. And so we, we run the ball twice with AJ and get the touchdown, but you get down into those situations, and, and to your point, when you start playing against really good teams, you have to capitalize and, and get the extra four every time you can. Uh, I really like, I really like that the young guys are are making plays, and I'm not going to sit here and say that they're revelations and and Agbari and, and Wyatt and and Quay Walker. They're they're not, you know, they're not all pros yet by any means. But uh, it's nice to see when when Goody has this draft class come in and they're all contributing now uh, at a sustainable level and you can see kind of the you can just kind of close your eyes and see what they're going to look like in the next couple of years i think that's exciting for this team i did too that was my key takeaway in my article this week uh was i thought all the i mean there were seven rookies that played samori toure played two snaps so you mm -hmm. can kind of take that one out and they were he was basically on like little dummy routes on both of them so basically six rookies that played uh, but these were some fairly significant contributions and at some fairly premium positions. Like you can make an argument Watson and Dobbs are basically wide receiver one, two. I know Lazard and, yeah. and Cobb played a lot, but basically wide receiver one and two in your offense, your two biggest weapons on offense, uh, not sure. named Aaron Jones. Um, and then you've got your starting left tackle in Zach Tom, starting edge rusher in JJ Nigbare, starting inside linebacker, Quay Walker, and then rotational nine snap defensive lineman, Devontae Wyatt. But those are premium positions that you're playing. Yeah, I think it was, it was uh, you know, 242 snaps, I think it was, between the seven of them combined. 
And you, man, you played seven rookies, 240 some snaps in a game in the NFL. And you could be asking for disaster, like literal disaster. And instead, I thought all of them not only like played well, but like played well enough at premium positions where you weren't like, man, this is a major issue. I, I thought that was a really key takeaway from this game. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see Quay Walker hit the gap. It's, I think it might be the first time all season that we, we saw him get a tackle for loss by shooting the gap in a situation where he should. Um, we've been talking about it at, at nauseum. I think AG and I, with, you know, comparing him kind of or contrasting to Chris Barnes and Isaiah McDuffie and their ability to tackle in the hole. So so him going out there and making that play in the run game in particular was just nice to see, honestly, and just being a little more of a physical presence. I know that that's something that I'm sure, I'm sure that's something they've been working on and talking about, and I'm sure he hears the, the whispers about his inability to get off blocks. So that was nice to see. Zach, Tom, listen, the way that the Packers – play offense, the situations that they put they put Zach in is, are very advantageous. It's always interesting. Like, he, he gave up a couple pressures and sacks to a 305-pound defensive end. And you can kind of see, you know, you know, if you watch the game, watch the sequence of the game, you kind of see the ger the gerbil in his head, like, starting to run faster, going like, oh, I better get out and hit this guy because he's 305 pounds. It's just a different animal. Um, but he's going to need some some skill or some strength development. He's going to need some more work. He's certainly not a David Bakhtiari. If you get rid of David Bakhtiari thinking that Zach Tom's going to replace him, you got another thing coming. But he is proving that he can play in the National Football League, and he's doing it at a very young age, coming out of Wake Forest. And so when you I when you project on him and you go, okay, can he put 15 pounds of muscle on? Can he can he perfect that technique? Like we've been talking about it all year. He's really an exciting guy because there's just. Dude, when, when there's trade dead, remember the trade deadline? Like nobody can, nobody's giving up offensive linemen because there's no good offensive linemen. So it's like if you find, if you can home grow a couple of these good guy, good players, and they do that consistently on this yeah. team, it's just super, super exciting to see that they found one so early that can play at this level. Totally agree with you. I want to go back to Quay Walker for a moment because we've talked a little bit about his performance. There's a little bit. And this is going to sound bad now, but there's a little bit of rookie Darnell Savage with Quay Walker and the fact that you can see all the talent, you can see all the potential, you can see that he's an unfinished product. You can see that when he just reacts to the play and just goes, like we saw the, the sack fumble this week, as you said, you said, he just kind of, you know, gets upfield, can make a play. We see the explosiveness, but we don't see the overall football player and everything that we need out of it. And the hope is, is that over time, like you said, he you know puts on functional strength. He continues to progress, and those flashes turn into the consistent player that he can ultimately become, and not just a flash here and there. The you know, of course, the downside is that you could have a Darnell Savage where it never quite develops, and you just end up with a player that has now been benched and is relegated to one snap on defense. There's obviously a plethora of other players that we could go over, usually a, a lot of Packers wide receivers over the time, Devontae Adams, whoever you want to use, that showed flashes earlier in their career and then developed and became really good players. I liked as well that we saw a little bit more substance from Quay Walker in this game. I do think he's trending in the right direction, but uh, still seems like a player that has some work to do. Yeah. It, it, so for me, the way, the, kind of the way I look at it is if, Let's just take the sack fumble as an example. So that's a that's a designed play where Quay Walker's rushing the passer, right? And so obviously you see Enigbari comes down. They ran they ran the keep with it with the uh, the cross action. So the tight end comes across, and the tight end actually doesn't know which one which guy to block, right? Because Enigbari comes down, the tackle blocks down. Enigbari's coming as well. Quay comes around the backside of it, so they're just running that quick end the end linebacker stunt, and he just lets it. 
when you put him in situations and when you put a lot of athletes in situations where it's like, all right, this is exactly what you're doing. You can go as fast as you want. Your responsibilities are now just go get to the quarterback, make the play. You can read it on the way. Then you see like, okay, this is why you draft a guy like Quay Walker, where you draft him because he can make those kind of plays. Yeah. What's more ex- like for me, what's more exciting is, okay, now I'm going to put you at your linebacker position and you have to read the play and go make it right. See ball, go get ball. You have to figure out how to navigate through. If you see a hole, are you going to shoot the gap? Or do you have the speed to shoot that gap? Are you confident in that? Can you take on the blocker? Like these, do you have the technique to be able to take on a blocker or to be able to rip underneath the blocker and make a play in the hole? He, for for the first time, at least that I can remember, he saw that play just sitting in his position. Not do, not No stunts, no dogs, no nothing. I'm sitting in my position. I see something. I see the gap. I take it. I chase a guy down on the backside. I show my athleticism, but I also show the instinctual stuff that we're really hoping develops, right? Now that's that's a function of like confidence. That's a function of like being a being much better technically, being able to get off a block. That's something you have to work on. That's a real skill. That's not just, you know, Luke Keekley worked on it getting off blocks. That's why he right. was so good at getting off blocks. It's not, it wasn't a coincidence, right? And so when you start working on that stuff and you make that a point of passion, a point of pride, you're gonna be that much better. And your your instinctual stuff goes up because your confidence goes up. And that's, I think, ultimately what we're hoping to see from Quay and all these other guys. Totally agreed. I was wondering, too, this week, uh, just a little bit, if some of that confidence is coming, too, from having Devondre back on the field and maybe not having the head swimming quite as much as needing to call some of the plays, having that you know set, steady presence next to you, which hopefully allows Quay just to go out and play football a little bit more rather than having to think of everything that's going on around him. I, I agree. I think this is a really solid step for him, and hopefully that's something he can build upon moving forward. Yeah, when you, when you look at all these, you know, when you're when you're a rookie in the National Football League, you're you're you know, to your point, your head's spinning all the time, anyways. But you have these moments, right? And, and, and any athlete, it's like your your progression is never linear. It's never linear. And no. so, if you you have these peaks and valleys, and you're just hoping you're like a, you're just hoping like you're a bullish stock in the stock market, or you're, you're, it's going to go up and down, but you're always trending up. But you have these moments where you spike up. You have these these jumps, and it's it's just like all the work, all the preparation. I see, I saw it on film. It just translates and bang. And it happened at Monday Night Football National Spot. Like he'll remember, he'll remember that game, but he'll remember that play and go, man, this is maybe that's where it clicked. And so those things are just from a player standpoint, I think it's really exciting. I'm bullish on Quay. I, you know, him not playing a, a ton his last season at Georgia, coming in, having to start right away in the NFL, then losing Devondre, having to be the guy calling the plays. Man, inside linebacker, middle of the field, on an island at times, like that is a tough position. NFL teams are attacking that with consistency. Um, I think he's held up overall pretty well, all things considered. And I think we have seen signs of progress. So still bullish on him overall. Just going to be really interested to see how the rest of the season plays out for Quay and what he kind of works on in the offseason and see if he can get a little bit stronger at the point of attack, sheds blocks a little bit better, those sort of things. His uh, Georgia teammates, Devontae Wyatt, seemingly cannot get over the nine-snap threshold. He played nine snaps again this week. Um, I've kind of defined it as you see a couple snaps every week from Devontae that make you go, Okay, from a technique standpoint, I can see why maybe he's not playing so much. Then a couple snaps where you're like, okay, there's nobody, you know, not named Kenny Clark that can do that sort of thing that's on the defensive line. And then you've got a few nondescript plays here and there. I, I get the question a lot. Does, is it time to play Devontae Wyatt more? I'm wondering where you come down on that. Is it? Would you like to see more Devontae Wyatt at the end of the season, get him some more experience? Or um, are you, you know, based on his play, understandable with where he's at right now? So I think he had half a sack off of the the quarterback keeper, 
right? Yep. So you beat a guy back, you, know, you beat a guy across. And listen, yeah. you you have to be a really good athlete to make that play, but that doesn't make you a good football player. Exactly. And and, and, I, and I think that's what you're saying, right? And and so when you look at other guys, you look at Slayton, you look at at Jaron uh, Jaron Reed. You, you start you start going. Is he better than those guys? Like, is he really worth taking snaps away from those Dean Lowry? Is he consistently be because consistently consistency on the defensive line, especially defensive tackle when you're in, in you're you're a, a standard three four defense in particular. It's like if you're not holding your point, if you're not able to take on a double, if you're not able to do the dirty work, your value. I don't care if you make uh, get a half a sack on on that other play. Like, if you're going to play twenty five plays you get half a sack on a quarterback keeper, but you're getting blown off the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm just making a point. If you can't do the requirements of the job as well as the other people, like your value to me is very low. And so I think you have to look at it as a body of work when you're playing in a defensive tackle position, unless you're literally one of those guys who's like, we're going to have 15 sacks this year, man. I know I don't play against the run, but that's how good I am. That's like, that's my special differentiator. I don't think he's that guy. So I think you have to look at, you kind of have to clump him in with everybody else and go, on a down-in, down-out basis, can he take on a block? Can he take on a double? Can he shed a block in the, in the hole? Is he good at doing that stuff? And until he gets competent or or at least on the same level as the rest of those guys, I think it's difficult to give him more snaps. I am 100% in agreement, and I know it's not been a popular take. I, I, I just look at the technique of Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry. I know those guys aren't making like a ton of plays here and there, but, man – when, when people go back to thinking about the, the 49ers game a couple years ago where the 49ers ran all over them in the NFC Championship game where guys couldn't hold up at the point of attack, like I don't think anyone wants to go back to that point in time where you just can't hold up against the run at all. And I know there's been some signs of that at Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts played a big part in that, but there's been some games here and there. But, like, man, if you just get, don't have guys that can hold up at the point of attack and, and play technically sound football up front, it just it, it cuts out the entire um, – you know, foundation of your defense and it makes everything so much harder after that. I think they have it kind of about right right now where Kenny's obviously playing the lion's share of the snaps. Jerron is the number two. He's playing, you know, usually in that like 30-ish snap range. And right now they've got three guys in Slayton, Wyatt, and Lowry who are kind of rotating through the remainder of the snaps. I don't hate that. I think Lowry and, uh, you know, Lowry's a little bit more technically sound than I think people give him credit for. Not going to be the sexiest, flashiest player in the world, but kind of does some of the dirty work. TJ Slayton, still a young player who's still learning how to play the game. We've seen some real fun flashes from Slayton, but again, the consistency hasn't been there. And then same thing with Wyatt. I I think as, as much as, again, we'd like to see maybe more from a first round pick. I kind of think the rotation is the way that it is for a reason right now. And I don't disagree with it. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about Wyatt, you know, we said this early in the season. After I think watching a couple, uh, a couple games, maybe it was you know two three games into the season, I just remember saying, I think I said to AG, if they really wanted this guy to develop, they would just put him in on third down against bad guards. You know what I mean? Just because that's what he can do. Yeah, what we see is like, what can he do really well? Oh, he can get into gaps and get off the ball really well. And like I was actually shocked the first game of the season. I can't remember the right guard's name for Minnesota Vikings, a rookie guard, though. Ed Ingram? I, yeah, yeah. And I just thought to myself, well, why don't we just put – Why, if we want to play – if you really want to play Wyatt and see if he's any good, put him on that kid all day. You're going rookie on rookie, third down, you know, in a in a, in a big game, you know, in that in that environment. Like, that is that is a good opportunity for that because all of a sudden, all your other stuff kind of goes out the window. I don't have to overthink. I got a pass rush. I feel good about myself. I develop confidence. The biggest thing about that position is, man, you've got to be so confident in what you do, and it's really, really hard in the National Football League. If you're playing 
one of those three, four defensive tackles, or if you're playing a space, if you're a space eater position and so your stats aren't going to be great. It's like, where do you get your confidence from, man? Cause nobody notices what you're doing unless you're doing a bad job. So that's for me, that's kind of the situation I might try to get more out of him, but for the rest of it, I, you know, I think we're aligned. Yep. hundred percent. You brought up a name earlier that I wanted to break down a little bit more as well. And that's Keyshawn Nixon. I think everyone's noticing his play on special teams quite obviously and understandably because it's been really, really fun. He's been a pretty darn good slot corner as well when he's been in there. Really fun player. This is a player that does not lack for any confidence whatsoever. You know, I don't think anyone's going to confuse him for, you know, Jair Alexander out there at corner, but like, my goodness, he's played solid corner. He's a, you know, a more physical player than some of the slot players that they've had in the past. He's not afraid to go and make a tackle. Sure. And like, man, I just think he's like, I think he and Rudy Ford, even though there's, they're not perfect by any means. Like those are the two type of mentalities that this defensive backfield needed in there. I think they've been better since those guys have been in there. I know Darnell Savage, first round pick, Eric Stokes, first round pick. I'm not saying that, you know, Stokes doesn't have a really bright future still ahead of him, but like, I kind of like Nixon and Ford in there. And, and Nixon has just been, like you said, uh, both on special teams and kind of on defense, a, a bit of a revelation for this team. I think demeanor plays a large part in who you want to be as a defense. And just very simply, Nixon and Ford have the demeanor that every player, every locker room, every fan wants to see. And that's, you know, if you talk about, hey, what's your identity of your, of your secondary, your identity of your defense? Like those guys kind of embody when we close our eyes and hope what we see is tough tackling football players, right? What's Bill Belichick saying? Oh, I like to pick up guys that can tackle well, that are not afraid of contact. Like that's kind of his go-to, you know, statement. It works for a reason. And these guys, like you said, Stokes is probably has a bright future. Obviously, the first round picks, they have talent, but what you see here is the willingness to do things, particularly I think when you contrast Savage with either one of them, these guys are willing to do things that he just wasn't very good at, honestly. And I think that's that's a difficult thing to say, but it's that's why it's I think, so, yeah. yeah, that's I think that's why we get excited about either one of those guys. And he really has he's done a great job on defense, but good lord, how did we not put this guy back? I this is one of those ultimate head scratchers, right? Like because we've talked about this before, Andy. It's like if you watch him run just the first time he was back there, you watch him run. Not, I don't care if it was a five-yard return. Or, when you watch the man run, you go, oh, I want him on my team. I'll, yeah. I'll yes, please. I'll take another one. You know? Goodness. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
totally agree. And I think the other crazy thing is like, while still not forgivable totally, it would be maybe maybe kind of a little bit slightly more understanding if this was like anyone's first ever interaction. Rich Passaccia had Keyshawn Nixon on his team the last three seasons. Like the Passaccia is known for about Keyshawn Nixon now for four years. So it's not like he, this is like Keyshawn Nixon's a rookie in the league and this was his first opera. Like he's been with Passaccia for four seasons. And that the fact that you haven't recognized that he has some of those skills as a returner, maybe he didn't previously, maybe it's something that developed, but like you said, man, like that just looks like a natural talent with the ball in his hands. And Man, how you look at Amari Rogers and Keyshawn Nixon and say, I think we want to go Amari Rogers is just dumbfounding at this point. Not to, not to pile on Amari Rogers, but like he right. was over like he was overweight, like his, you know, but just, just from a, like a body standpoint, you go like he didn't he didn't look intimidating. Maybe yeah. you know, you would never use that word. Sometimes this stuff clicks though with guys, right? Like not everybody can walk in and play day one. I certainly couldn't walk in and play day one. Sometimes it just you, you show up one day and it's like, you know what? I'm tired of all this. I'm gonna be the guy again. I'm going to be the guy I know I can be. And maybe that's what happened with this because there really is no other explanation that I think anybody can come up rationally to, to describe why he hasn't played more, not only for the Packers, but any other team he's been on. So that brings us to a fun, interesting question is now the Packers head into an offseason. We've already talked a little bit about Bakhtiari. We've talked about Elton Jenkins. Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, both unrestricted free agents. Now they're going to have to make both you know decisions on both of those guys as well. Um, you had the Razul Douglas and Devondre Campbell kind of like, all right, they came here, had a really nice season. We paid them money. Haven't seen maybe the same ROI. And now they've got very interesting decisions with both Nixon and Rudy Ford. Those are going to be really interesting offseason discussions as well. Yeah, certainly. And they might be a little bit shell-shocked from the other two last season, just not getting, like you said, not getting the ROI this year. Um, and that happens a lot in the National Football League. I think probably the difference is neither of these guys have had the season that warrant those kind of contracts. Agreed. So this, you know, this is this is probably more of um, you're going to get paid significantly more than you would have had you not paid, you know, not played. But this is not necessarily going to be some, you know, a really ridiculous amount of money that you just go. Is what happens is guys just. I'm not saying this happened to anybody on the team, but I just know guys. You, know, you get paid a lot of money. Sometimes you're not hungry anymore, man. It's hard. It's hard to be. It's hard to be hungry when your belly's full. You know. So, <laughs> that is true. So uh, it's I, interesting to see what happens. And hopefully, like, worst case scenario, if you bring either of those guys back and it just something doesn't click as well on defense or whatever, like both of those guys still very good special teams players. Like, you at least you have, like, a, a feel in, like, I feel like a built-in floor of, like, you're going to get something out of those guys no matter what if you bring them back. But who knows? You never quite know. But those will be interesting decisions in the offseason. Really quick, a couple other things I wanted to go over. Um, you had made a great uh, point this week in your video about the offensive line splits for the Packers. Um, I just wanted you to kind of go over that really quick on what advantages that that built in for Green Bay. Yeah, so a lot of – it's really interesting because this is – it just seems like something one-on-one, right? Like if I – like, Andy, if I want to help you as a running back get get through the B-gap, then taking a larger split between because the defensive tackle, defensive end, linebackers, everybody lines up on the offensive lineman, right? Like if, if I'm a playing three technique, for, for the people out there, if I'm playing three technique, I'm a defensive tackle playing against a guard – I'm going to line up somewhere around the outside foot, outside number of that guard. So if the guard takes a larger split between himself and the center, like if I take a, a, a three-foot split versus a two-foot split, well, I've just given the running back an extra foot to run it. And if I take that all the way out, 
like we do, like the Packers did against the Rams. And, and sometimes you have, you know, a double tight end set where you've got each player from center to guard, guard to tackle, and then tackle to tight end have a two and a half, three foot split. You're literally adding yards between players and you're just creating natural running lanes that you, that we don't have to work for. It's, it's free. It's actually free real estate that linemen don't have to do anything except for line up properly. And the fact that teams don't do it is absolutely bizarre to me. And I guess the impetus is, or the, the, the reason that uh, some teams are, well, I think first of all, teams don't pay attention to it. I, actually, I know they don't. Um, but the, the second thing is a lot of people think that like, for example, if I'm really detached, if I'm the tackle really detached from the guard, well, aren't I giving the defensive end more space to operate? It's like, well, yes and no. Because the quarterback's still in the same spot, but now I've removed that person another, let's just call it step and a half or two steps. So if they beat me, they have to beat me by a step and a half or two steps to get to where I'm going. So it it helps in the passing game. It really helps in the running game. And it's it's just one of those things that they've been doing since the 90s. And they've it, it continued to do it with, with Beck, with James Campen. All these offensive line coaches have taken that to heart. And certainly Stanovich and, and now Buckus are doing it. I I just don't know why other teams don't do it. When when I ask some of my guys, like, hey, what's your split supposed to be here? And they go, oh, we don't talk about splits. We really don't ever talk about it. And I go, oh, my God, it's like the easiest hidden advantage you can have in uh, offensive line play. But It would seem if nothing else, like even if you wanted to use it from time to time just to change the calculus up a bit and give a defense like a different look, like it would just seem like there would be so much inherent advantage to be at least having something in your pocket if you wanted to go in that direction. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, it is. It's abs- It honestly is one of those things where I just look at and go, if like if you if you want to ask me like what are the key things that you look at when understanding if a team's well coached or not, like uh, offensive mindset, like, like number one because it's so it's so it's so it's it's free yardage. I, I can't I cannot stress how easy it is to have an advantage right there. And and I don't know, twenty teams don't do it in the National Football League. Crazy. Gotta love it. Uh, let's finish up with some Packers Dolphins talk before we get out of here. You mentioned earlier Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. It's not fair that you could have two receivers with that speed on the same team and just run after the catchability, deep speed, all just speed, speed, just stupid speed. And then Raheem Mostert, not exactly a slow poke in the backfield either. This team is built for speed. It's going to be a really fun matchup, a, a matchup that's going to be much, much, much tougher. I know Miami doesn't seem quite as much of a. Um, Juggernaut or behemoth is probably the wrong word, but quite quite as where they were earlier in the season. But it's going to be a lot different than Chicago and LA. Yeah, certainly. You know that there's some they've they've the Dolphins have shown a couple signs of the last couple of weeks where you can you can take advantage of them, especially on the offensive side, right? So I don't think their pass protection and offense. You know, I know Armstead just made the the Pro Bowl. I I fully expect Preston Smith to have a really good game this weekend. Let's just say that. Um, Kenny Clark could have a really good game this weekend. They predicate the Mike McDaniel, the, the the Shanahan offense is kind of predicated on having a real badass at tight end like George Kittle. Yeah, yeah, they don't have that. They have actually nothing near that. Mike Jacecki is as a he's been kind of reduced. I think he has 25, 26 catches this year because he literally can't block and he's not he's not a willing block. He's not a willing participant in the confrontation game. So they bring in um, eighty one uh, Smythe. Yep. Who is he's game for? He's a Notre Dame kid. He's a tough kid, but he's just not that quality, right? So they they ask those tight ends to do a lot in the run and the pass game, whether it's blocking a defensive end in the pat like one on one pass pro, whether it's just being an insert guy in the running game. And 
we can really take advantage by being ultra physical on that specific player. Cause usually where that player goes, that's where the ball's going. Um, and the biggest thing is I think from a defensive standpoint with this team is like, can you make him go 80? Can you make him go 80 yards and not get, I mean, every it's every tape you turn on, whether it's like Tyree kill picking up that fumble last week or Jalen Waddle just beating that the breaks off that guy and two under throws another ball, but he just jumps up and gets it. Like, it's unbelievable how fast they are, and you you can't get caught staring. But can you be disciplined enough to get not give up, especially that backside post route that they keep running? Oh my goodness, it's it's brutal to watch on tape, man, because it's like you can see it coming, you can't stop it. Uh, it's going to take some communication from the back end of the defense, which hasn't exactly been a strong suit for the Packers defense this season. And it's also, I'm assuming, I know Packer fans hate the uh, you know off coverage playing a bunch of you know zone off coverage. I don't know much other choice that you have. You can't say like you're going, you know, press man. I, I don't know. They'll, they'll have some, they'll, they'll throw some curveballs, I'm sure. But like the other thing too, is that like, man, you, you play them up closer to the line. They'll run by you. You play mm-hmm. off of them and they'll just run a little, you know, you know, play, play it off of them might be worse. Right. Like you exactly. see, well, uh, I mean, you see like a couple teams have done that and they just, it's like, okay, you want to give them a 10 yard head start. It's, it's tough. The, the, the only team really that you look at and go, well, they had success. They talked about it a couple of weeks ago was the Chargers. And what the Chargers did is when they had an opportunity to hit Tyree Kill off the line, inside slot guy, they just take the outside linebacker, walk him out, bang him, and rush late, just like the Patriots used to do. Yep. And so there's some of that stuff you can do. But really, what you have to be able to make Tua not throw on time because he does not have a great arm. He underthrows a ton of balls. And they just make up for it because they're wide open by 15 yards. But if you can take away that first guy so he can't anticipate that throw by getting in his face, the whole game changes for them because it's just that's just not his cup of tea, right? Um, I don't know if they're going to be able – like the Dolphins – Mike McDaniel seems to me as, as one of the brightest, if not the brightest guy out there, to be honest with you. Like I, I really like everything he's doing. Yep. So I'm sure he's figured out like, okay, we're not going to let him get jammed anymore. But um, – it's 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 a tall order. I, this is that game I've kind of been circled because I know that I know a lot of the Dolphin guys, and I've kind of circled this game for a while. Going, this could be really really tough, man. Down in Miami, speed fest. It's it's a damn track meet out on that turf at the Hard Rock Stadium. It's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. The Packers are going to have to probably play one of their better games of the season. They don't generally perform well in Florida. And you know the guy that would really help in this game would be Rashawn Gary to get to mm-hmm. off of his spot a little bit too. They don't exactly have him either. Uh, going back to Gesicki, just really quick, that's like a perfect example we talk about all the time of marrying uh, you know, the, the players that you have on your team to the scheme that you want to run. I was expecting Gesicki to get traded just because it didn't really make sense to have this more receiving tight end on a, a team that needs so much blocking and physicality out of their tight ends or a scheme that needs that. Um, so I, I would be surprised if they don't go a little bit tight end hunting in the off season to yeah. you know, shore that up a little bit. If they can get a little bit more offensive line, get that physical tight end, Man, look out. That offense has the ability to be really freaking crazy. They're already really, really good. You just got two ultimate cheat codes in, in Waddle and Tyreek Hill out there. And man, any almost anything's possible. But looking forward to the matchup nonetheless. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Mike? Just that I'm in, I'm enjoying these uh these next couple of games. I I don't know what this I haven't looked, I haven't checked the spread, but let's just say that the Dolphins are continue their slide. Aaron Rodgers goes out and has a vintage Aaron Rodgers game. I mean, when you look at their defense, there's some opportunities, obviously, because they have they have um, given up 24 points a game. 
So teams are scoring on them, and they like to play a lot. They like to play a lot of man and match. They'll play a lot of single safety. I mean, stopping the run is very important to them, and they just think they can get home because they have some. They have some elite level pass rushers. But you can kind of paint this picture in your head where Christian Watson beats Xavier Howard a couple times. You can paint this picture in their head with this, you know, depleted secondary. They have a couple guys out. They're playing some younger players. You can you can see Dobbs. You can see Cobb getting off a little bit. You know, can we bring Tunyon back into play? Like I think uh, Knox last week was lead, the leading receiver for the, uh, the 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 Bills. Bills, yeah. Right? So so you start you start thinking like, okay, can we get Tunyon going a little bit more and getting some more yard, getting some more receptions out of him because certainly he's a he's a matchup problem. I think for their linebackers and their safeties. Can you score enough points to put these this team in a, in a bad position? Yeah, because it would. I mean, how exciting is it if you think about we win three in a row? And then your last two games are at home versus NFC division rivals for the opportunity to go to the playoffs. Like that's, I think that's everybody's hope favorite Christmas present right there. And you could see the commanders lose on Saturday, which would give Packers, you know, they're going to play in San Francisco. Uh, If that happens, it's going to open up things even more for green Bay, which basically at that point, um, and actually I think Seattle plays at Kansas city. Um, So if, if you get the two results that you need Saturday, Going into that game, Green Bay could know, hey, if we win our three, you just need Washington to w- lose one of their last two, and you're in the playoffs. Like you, that's that's not quite holding the destiny in your hands, but that's about as close as you could possibly hope for, given where they were at a few weeks ago. You get a couple positive results on Saturday, that could result in the Packers uh, getting a little bit more uh, hope and momentum maybe going into Sunday in that game with the Dolphins. You mentioned the spread. Do you have a, a guess on what the spread is? I want to say it's like the Dolphins by six and a half or something like that. I think it was more earlier in the week. Right now we are at Dolphins minus four only. So a little bit more uh, close to the Green Bay side of things. So interesting there. It's, it's, can you win? You know, this is one of those games where if you're the coach of the Packers, you just walk up before the team and, and just say, listen, when your number's called, you have to win today. That's it. It's really that easy. If you're, if, J- if Jalen Phillips is lined up against you and it's third and it's, it's third and long, you have to win. Yeah. If Tyree kills lined up against you and we're going single safety, you have to like, it's very easy guys. Like if this, at, at some point in this game that we were talking about, I think off air at some point in this football game, it comes down to individual matchups. Can my, is my best good enough to beat your best? And if the answer is yes. And I think with a lot of the Green Bay Packers, I think that confidence is there that yes, it actually is. I mean, we could, we could have some fireworks here the last couple of weeks of the season. Very much could. Super uh, looking forward to it. Christmas Day, Packers, Dolphins should be really, really fun. Mike, enjoy your holiday. Enjoy this slate of football games. Enjoy Packers, Dolphins. As you said, I know you have this game circled a little bit on your calendar. So enjoy the heck out of it. We will talk a week from now. Uh, Plug us uh, with all this amazing stuff you're doing before we get out of here. Yeah, uh, check out the On My Block podcast with myself and Amon Green. I do a block party, which is we do a lot of breakdown of, of and, and film study of just offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers. So that's uh, I think I, we just did one on the Packers Rams game. Check that out on our on our uh, YouTube page, Process to Perform, and then check me out, Mike Wall sixty eight on Twitter and, and TikTok and Process to Perform on Instagram. Andy, thanks for having me as always, man. Happy holidays. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Mike will be back next week. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.